0: One day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right. I am super excited for today's guest. Today's guest is Carrie Pagliano. She is a physical therapist, mom, and runner in the DMV, the Washington, D.C. area, And she is going to be sharing so much goal knowledge today with us. We're going to be talking all things, a lot of misconceptions that are out there around returning to run postpartum and just postpartum pregnancy journey in general. So for any of your mama runners out there, one day going to be mama runners, soon to be mama runners, you want to listen to this. This is also going to be good for any fitness professional out there, especially if you work with runners, especially if you work with female athletes, we're going to be going over a few considerations there as well. So definitely listen in. And Carrie has a lot of awesome resources out there too. So listen for that. She's going to be giving away a free guide that she has for runners. And then a couple resources out there for runners and fitness professionals to work with her more closely in more in-depth manner as well. And she'll be talking about those. She's a wealth of knowledge. If you're not following her, make sure to follow her on Instagram. Her stuff is super informative, but also funny. So I love following Carrie on on Instagram. And Carrie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm super excited to share this episode and uh, let's dive into today's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited for today's guest, Carrie Pagliano. She is a physical therapist, a runner, a mom, a pelvic health physical therapist in the DC area in Arlington, uh, Virginia. I'm going to be asking her about her journey as a PT and a runner mom her journey but also sharing with us all about her journey but also like misconceptions that are out there on what pregnancy should go like be like what return to run should go like for all you females and your moms out there and anyone expecting one day or in the future uh, this is gonna be super helpful please listen to this a lot of things out there just are not known they're starting to get out there but going along with a theme that we've had um lately on a few episodes not entirely on purpose but carrie's gonna share a lot so make sure to listen to this carrie thank you so much for being
1: here super excited chat today Thank you so much. I'm excited to kind of keep extending the pregnancy conversation.
0: Yes. Yes. So if you don't mind, I definitely want to get into your pregnancy journey, but let's just start real briefly about your running journey and how, yeah. where that is for you. And then we'll dive into your pregnancy journey and how you've gotten into pelvic health and everything.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've basically run since like middle school, seventh grade. I was that kid that did, you know, cross-country running. I did track. My first uh, school that I went to, we swam in the winter and then I transferred schools and anybody who ran did Nordic skiing and you're Wisconsin. So you probably would know yes. that, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I went to grad school somewhere where they Okay. Were. Yeah. Nordic skiing so <laughs> I think, you know, by the time I got to college, I didn't compete. I actually did rifle in college. And I, <laughs> at first I was like, well, I, I don't want to run anymore because nobody's making me do it, which was great. And and then you realize you're like, oh, wait, I really do enjoy this. And so it's for me been this kind of saving grace from my entire life. And I started, I guess, before I had kids, um, started to do a little bit longer distance, starting to mess around with some 10 milers and did my first, I, I joke, it's my second, my first and last marathon in 04. <laughs> I did a Marine Corps and then, um, had some hip issues and had FAI hip surgery a couple of years later. Wow. And then a few years after that had my first and, and second kid, and then just trying to navigate getting back to running after, you know, major mm-hmm. orthopedic surgery yes, after, yeah postpartum stuff. And then, you know, this past year in COVID, really when the gyms were closed and that sort of thing, like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And so trying to find sort of some solace in that too. So it's something that I'm not the fastest. I'm not the most beautiful when I run, but it's (laughs) one of those things that I think so many women have been able to go back and connect to running, especially this year, but it's, it's definitely been a thread through my entire life.
0: It's always been present. It sounds like, and I think so many good things there in the sense of, I mean, you've gone through major surgery you're still running you're you're sharing you're like I'm not fast as what I'm still doing it I'm not pretty, oh, yeah. I think it's important because <laughs> everyone thinks you need perfect form here she's a PT she's like yeah I'm not pretty okay like, hey, we're doing it so I'm enjoying myself <laughs> yes yes oh I love it so if you don't mind share yeah. with us your pregnancy journey and how what that went, your expectations, what ended up happening. Now, were you a pelvic health PT at the time? or did Yeah. Exist? Yeah. Okay.
1: So I've been a PT for 22 years and I've been a pelvic PT for probably 21 of those. And that wasn't part of the plan at all. Just the job market crashed right as I was graduating. And I sort of kind of fell into pelvic health PT. Somebody offered me a job and I said, great. I have no idea what that is, but I'll do it anyway. 20 years ago, it was very compartmentalized and you wouldn't talk talk about running with postpartum women or pregnant women, you just shouldn't be doing it. If you were doing it, you were kind of doing it in the closet. And it wasn't until, you know, it hasn't really been honestly until the last five or 10 years that I think we're just having these conversations instead of poo-pooing people. And again, like the the DC area, there's a lot of older moms, meaning like we're Mm -hmm. kind of mid to late thirties my first pregnancy, I totally had planned that I was going to run through the whole thing. I was basically going to run right into the delivery room and you're taught, you know, stay active. It's going to keep your baby healthy. You're trying to do all the right things. And I thought, okay, well, this is my job. I, I should know exactly what to do. And this will be perfect and wonderful. And I will be the glowing example of what to do unfortunately my biology and my son did not listen I very distinct I ran up until about 19 weeks and yep. very distinctly remember a run uh, we lived right by the Potomac River at that point at just not even like a half mile away and you had to go down to get there and I just emptied my bladder about 17 times and I would run a little bit and then I'd have to walk run a little bit and have to walk and it was just unbearable bladder discomfort and I remember sitting down on a rock next to the Potomac calling my husband and saying you know, come get me I can't go anywhere Further. And that was it. Ended up with some significant, like, symphysis pubis issues. A lot of, you know, you look back and you're like, well, what did I do wrong? And the fact of the matter is, I walked into a pregnancy. A couple years out from a major hip surgery, I'd had yes. past sacroiliac issues. There's a lot of things I could dial it back to. I didn't do anything wrong, and my yeah. both my babies are were huge and decided to stay in until 41 and a half weeks. Oh <laughs> man, oh man. them out of my body. But as I mentioned to you earlier, like I at that point was the kind of person I I laminated my birth plan. Like that's how insane I was. <laughs> don't do that. Okay. <laughs> your you're like, this is how it's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I love a laminator. I mean, who doesn't, um, but it's one of those things that like, I thought I actually had control and I thought I was being actually very thoughtful for the nurses so they could follow along. No, my son didn't read it at all. Like I don't know. They, he's 10. I don't know if he really listens to me now, but I think this was just like, and it's so much easier to talk about it in the rear view mirror. Cause at the time you're like, well, yeah. what in God's name is going on? And Ended up in a three-day induction, eventually ended up in a C-section because he wasn't um, responding well after several days. Totally, completely swollen. I had like dequeer veins issues, like just all sorts of stuff going on. Was in the hospital the better part of a week. Went home. You're trying to figure out how to nurse. My son basically didn't sleep the first five years of his life. You're trying to figure all this stuff out. Running wasn't even remotely on the radar screen trying and just navigate that first part and then eventually did get to run a little bit and, and got to the point where he and I were, you know, we do jog strollers and we're like, okay, yeah, we've got this. I, I totally bounce back. And you try <laughs> and show that stuff in, you know, the closet. And then we had a miscarriage in between the kids. And then a couple months later, got pregnant with my daughter and to run. And you, I hadn't really recovered from the miscarriage. He was, you know, a two-year-old, like no way! Like it's it just wasn't in the cards. And then another C section with her because my kids don't drop, and um, had a much better recovery from that. But again, like running is not the first thing on your mind at that. Point. Yeah, no, it can't. Be. Um, and then just trying to you know navigate essentially a body that's gone through three pregnancies and you've recovered somewhat, but you still you're just trying to. I, I really long story short ended up with some stress urinary incontinence after her diastasis recti after my daughter she was my second and then um, also a little bit of prolapse issues and again like in the rearview mirror could I have seen any of that coming probably not but none of it was like oh you you breathed wrong or you did this wrong or that wrong like some of that is my biology some of that is what happened in the delivery and some of it's what happened to my body before all of this yeah I think the first time we get to talk about this or we're given permission is after the baby's born and like that ship is sailed at that point. And so yeah. we really kind of just do this to service to, to women and that are becoming mothers to not really give them any realistic expectations about what's coming, but all we give them are like the glowing Insta perfect images of what they should be looking like and not sharing yeah. these stories about, Hey, you know what? It maybe not be so perfect, Um, or we just kind of shove it under the the rug that you know you're having leakage when you're running to go get your kid on the playground, or yeah, you've got pressure and your rectum's coming out of your body, or, or yeah, you just yeah. things like that. So really, and, and and again, my kids are seven and ten now. It's taken me a while to process and then also be comfortable enough sharing that so that we can share our stories because yeah. that's the only way we're going to learn. Like if we right. do talk about this stuff. You know, we're just doing the same thing over and over again. And that's mm-hmm. not going to help.
0: Yeah. And I think it's helpful to hear from you so other people can relate, but also know like, you, you know, you're a public health PT. This is exactly what you're doing, but you still went through your struggles and, yeah, the, you totally know, is. I'm sure of anything, maybe on the emotional side too, right? There's emotional, physical, oh, all the time, right? <laughs> there's a lot of it. What that's did, another
1: podcast, Kristen. That's a whole other
0: one. That's a whole other one. We only got so much time today. What do you feel like? What did you, and I guess you were saying, like, look in the rear view mirror, there maybe wasn't necessarily yeah. a ton you necessarily did wrong, per se, or would have changed. What did you feel like it changed as much for how you relate to your patients or would want moms to know before going into pregnancy? Um, and what would have you potentially done different, even if it is just like talk to yourself yeah. differently or had different expectations or whatever?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is just knowing that there's not one right way. And that, you know, even if things don't work out the way you plan, because you can't control everything, it's finding that group of people that relate to you, a, a group of providers that can understand what you're going through. And I mean, the the stories that I have clients come in and tell me, like, they'll complain of heaviness and pressure, which is prolapse and their OBGYN will look and say, Oh no, you look fine. That's just the price you pay for a vaginal delivery. (laughs) That's kind of garbage. And then they won't give them a referral for, for PT and, you know, same thing with diastasis recti and in, in this area, it's, it's a pretty well-educated area. And most I joke that most of Northern Virginia thinks that they have diastasis recti. They don't, but I call it kind of like the gateway postpartum drug thing because they get really intensely focused on it because of the aesthetics because their body is not looking the way that they expected afterwards. like, oh, There must be a medical problem. And so they find diastasis and then there's all this stuff online where people like, we can't do planks. You can't do crunches. And again, there's no data to support that. And then they get to (laughs) find us. And then lo and behold, they've got leakage and stuff too, that we can talk about. So kind of big picture, it's knowing that there are people, you know, if somebody tells you that's just the price you pay or sorry, that's just how it is like, People don't even know pelvic PT exists. No. So I think that's a really good place to start. And then kind of subcategories there. And this is sort of what I've fallen into over the years. I started doing CrossFit about four years ago because I felt the need to, to lift heavier and partly it was for my hip and my back and, and so on. But there are people that specialize in you know these subcategories of working out and making sure that you work with somebody who works with postpartum runners or work with somebody who's used to olympic lifting in pregnancy and postpartum and that sort of thing whereas if that's not something you're used to or even your ob they might be like oh that's really bad for you and the fact of the matter is it's not yeah i mean look at all these olympians now that are moms that are you know coming out and doing some really amazing things right so for me i think looking back those resources weren't there they are there now yeah but having those conversations and talking about okay this is the reality. This is kind of what you thought was going to happen. It's not bad. We just got to find whatever path forward. And and again, like you said, that there's an emotional and a physical side to it.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing a lot of is like there's a lot of misconceptions out there in the oh, sense of yeah. there's like you're going through the whole like oh don't do planks, don't do this. Yeah. I'm hearing that that's not necessarily the case. It depends on your situation. Correct? Would that yep, be right? Much. I mean, overall, the bottom line of all this is going to be, you know, I'm going to guess find a public health PT that can help you. And we'll also share some resources at the end that are online as well. Exactly. You know, and knowing who to trust. And it sounds like if they're telling you what are some, you know, different things you were just sharing as far as if they're, you know, telling you like that's normal or they're not giving you an actual solution to your
1: problem, then probably find, find another (laughs) PT. And exactly. All the- and, and, and they're out there. But yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things again, like when we're in PT school, we get one quick little hour lecture of okay, this is everything you need to know. And it's just not even remotely close. Like, yeah. there's so much to know. And and I, I think that's honestly a gap that I see, you know, and, and really I've I've found is PTs that work with runners or in orthopedics or that sort of thing they don't know what to do with postpartum because they don't know the postpartum aspect of it same thing with pelvic health pts so many now are going straight into it without any sort of orthopedic background and so it's finding somebody that can understand how to break down a run not so much to the minutiae that you would need with a higher performer but somebody that like just can get you out there and do the basics when i might have only nine minutes a couple times a week to get stuff done I need three things. I don't need the CVS length receipt of things to do, you know? Yep.
0: Yep. And then also, like, as far as if anyone's looking for public health PT from what else I was hearing you was like, if they're wanting to return to run, like probably work with someone that is either uh, hopefully a runner themselves or work specifically with runners, because there's a a lot that goes into that, or at least active people, correct?
1: Well, even, I mean, like I said, I mean, my oldest is 10. We just got the first kind of glimpse, uh, came from the UK, uh, Grenya Dunnelly, Emma Brockwell and um, Tom Goom and a couple others. They pulled together the 2019 postpartum return to run guidelines from UK. And it basically was just, hey, we're gonna pull some data together to be like, by this point, and what they came across with was is some screening tools for return to run, and then basically saying, you know, you should probably be waiting till 12 weeks because there was this really stupid, I'm gonna say it's stupid because it is. What, what's true? So, like, so, like, <laughs> so at six weeks, oh, you're cleared to do everything. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, it just birthed a small no. human. No. <laughs> And I actually went back and looked at the, the, the reasoning why I think ACOG says there was like a tradition of like 40 days of convalescence or something. And there's no real data to support it. Six weeks, you're only at 75% soft tissue healing anyway. So these UK guidelines were like, Hey, in the context of moms, aren't getting good sleep. They're not getting good nutrition. Yeah. And like, literally it's like a recipe for red syndrome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, no, it is. Yeah. And then they have weakness, they might've had surgery with C-section, like all of these things we probably should be waiting. We only had those guidelines two years ago. And, you know, people now, it's just a starting point. It's not, Hey, this is the Holy grail from here on out. It's like, we had nothing to start with because no one's throwing money at You know, postpartum research and research in pregnancy is really tough because of the liabilities. Nobody's going to be like, "Hey, let me do the study that if you do this, it kills your baby." Like, no one's going to do that study. So everything is retrospective. No, that makes sense.
0: Um, So yeah, we
1: we really just haven't had great information until recently, and starting to come out, which is good. And now we're going to start to get the word out more and more. It's up to us to get the word out, right? Exactly. So,
0: and to go back on the, we just got to hound this down, like the whole six weeks, I think, I mean, it's oh, very yeah. common. I know I talk to friends and they're like, oh yeah, it's six weeks, or I have a friend. Hey, if you're listening, friend, you'll know who you are. But no, she, you know, she, was, like, <laughs> she was at like four weeks and went back to running. And I'm like, oh, like, yeah.
1: Oh. And then, no, like, I've, <laughs> I've had clients, like, I had one come in four weeks post C section and she said her OB cleared her. And like, would you send a Post-op rotator cuff back (laughs) in four weeks. It's just it completely treating it differently than a post-injury surgery or a post-injury recovery, and it shouldn't. It should be treated very much the same, and actually even more careful because again, sleep is not happening, nutrition is poor, but people don't look at it like that. They're like, oh, well, this is just what you do. This is how it should be, but. I think also in there too, there are caveats that you may have a pro runner that has high genetic capacity, high, I mean, they train yeah. all the way through, like there are exceptions. The yeah. problem is so many of us think that we're the 1%. <laughs> I am not. Yeah. The 1%. <laughs>
0: That's what I was about to say. Like, this isn't, this isn't like an exception that, Hey, you're going to be it if you hear this, but right. what is just to give perspective, what yeah. is this? Seen and it's actually been healthy return to run or her yeah. about even
1: it's it so, sometimes
0: once in a while, four weeks or something, but it's very
1: few. <laughs> honestly, like first time mom, like I this is first time mom across the board. I don't care if you're a runner or not. By six weeks, you're just kind of seeing the light at that point. Like mm-hmm. it it kind of screws with your mind and, and everything in all sorts of ways. I think the best exercise at that point is just getting outside and walking, whether you walk with a stroller or you carry the baby, because the nice thing is babies are progressive resistance, they're always growing. If I had someone that they needed to train for something, you know, and, and really wanted to push that schedule, I, I'll do a readiness screen at six weeks for a couple different reasons. One is if we need to work on that schedule and that it really is, you know, a possibility. So I've, yeah. I've seen people out sooner to return okay. to CrossFit and things like that, okay. but it's with the understanding that they know what to look out for. And yeah. it's with the understanding that they're doing it in the context of they won't blasts their training through the roof unless their sleep and nutrition is addressed. So they know no pressure, no heaviness, no leakage, nothing flies out of their body, no pain. If those things happen, those are indicators to stop and notice and see what the heck is going on. It doesn't mean it's a deal breaker. It just means hold up. Let's just see what's going on. But most often if performance is, if it's not your day job, quite honestly, yeah. It, another six weeks, it goes by so fast. Yeah. And in that time, you can start building strength so that when you get to that 12 weeks, you have that foundation in check. Mm-hmm. And we're reducing risk for injury. And we can go back and look at things like balance that get really messed up because your center of mass has changed completely. Like your feet have spread out and kind of all this this different stuff. All this, so.
0: all this stuff you're probably not expecting. So like well, I'm yeah. like, like <laughs> I wouldn't expect it. And the only reason I do is because I hear from all you guys, but it's like, right, are <laughs> yeah, exactly. like strength no, it's is off. No, all the stuff
1: we, you never knew was coming until you asked. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. So you're not, you know, strength is off, balance is, different like you were yep. even saying like your toes and the way they're going all these different things but if you take the time to get it better in the first place yeah. long term it's going to be way better what kind oh, of absolutely. things what kind of things do you see just i'm trying to make a case for convincing because it takes some time for the we'll runners that hear this like <laughs> to be convinced that this is the best way like what do you see if they don't listen or they if you don't see a pelvic health uh pt especially someone that specializes yeah. in runners And you are like, what kind of things are you seeing long-term that are going on that aren't normal that people should know this isn't normal?
1: So here's the thing. And I, I I get a little flack for this sometimes because I am past president of the Academy of Pelvic Health. I don't necessarily think every woman needs to see a pelvic health PT. And this is why, because one i think it's accessibility um you may not live in a geographical area where you can access one you might not be able to afford one there's there's a whole bunch of other kind of issues with that and so what was brought up to me by somebody who works in, in coaching was like what do you do when you have somebody that they're told to go to pelvic pt and they can't for whatever reason Do they take that now is they don't have hope or they're going to be worse because they didn't. So that I I think as long as you're working with somebody, and and this is why I try and put out a ton of free resources and that sort of thing too, like a free screen to like run yourself through and see where you come out on that. You know, make sure that you have some strength and balance and things like that. And, And I think that's probably a great place to start because what we don't realize is if we don't make sure the balance is in check, if we don't make sure our strength is in check, just basic injuries. Like how many people do you know that they go back to running after a long period of time and the first thing that happens is shin splints? Or something like and so those are things that we screen out. It's not always just pelvic floor stuff. Yeah. And so I think the other thing that comes up too is people that go too hard too fast. And they it's kind of that athlete mindset. So where they left off in their head was there and that's not where their body is now. And so kind of just having that conversation and understanding that. And I think going through a screen helps you realize that if you can't hold a plank for a minute, you could do it for a couple minutes before we've got a little bit of work to do or- The one that's always super helpful is we'll do like a single leg balance and people like, oh, it's, that should be totally easy. And then they're falling all over the place. And then if we close their eyes, then they're really all over the place because they've got some vestibular changes related to kind of cervical and hormone things with pregnancy. And so I think just having a way to demonstrate to somebody that things have changed a little bit is a great place to start. However that comes, whether it's through free screen, you know, that they download or a coach or a trainer, or if it is a pelvic PT, great. Yeah. But I think also being aware that leakage is not something that you have to accept. Heaviness and pressure is not something you have to accept. Pain is not something you have to accept. And I think once you kind of have that awareness, then it's like, all right. Well, now we need to figure out what those next steps are. What does that look like? Because I have yet to have somebody look back and be like, you know what, I should have started sooner. Everybody always will tell you, ah, I should have waited a few more weeks, yeah. Or I should have done it. Like, <laughs> never That's once never have I heard, oh, I should totally have started sooner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. No, and I think it's good. What you said as far as, um, like just goes along with. Everything I feel like this past year, too. Like, there's no one way that's the best way. Like, I guess, in a as clinicians here too like watching our words like saying like hey like you should see a public health PT I think it's good that you brought up like well not everyone's situation is the same not everyone necessarily has those financial resources whatever so like Carrie's saying like hey there are you know free resources out there and Carrie's going to share at the end and I'll put it in the podcast link her link to her free screening right and some other resources as well for both runners and clinicians who work with runners so we'll share those later too but thank you for sharing that I think that's like helpful to hear like to remember like hey yeah we say like you need to public health pt but there are other options and maybe that isn't actually the best for your situation so exactly you got to understand everyone's situation so anything else on like the running side and Mm -hmm. then we'll go into like uh, run professionals a little bit side of things too anything else for any runner listening that is helpful for them to know i mean i guess we went over the things that are common but shouldn't be normal as far as like leakage pain pressure any other big misconceptions out there that you see yes.
1: runners? No, I think the, the ones that I've been hearing lately, it's really interesting. People are being told to kegel while they run. Okay. And, you know, like tighten your fist up for a second and just think that that's your pelvic floor and then try and, you know, move your fingers. Like if you keep <laughs> your fist tight, like if you tighten into a full kegle, you shouldn't <laughs> be trying to contract. And, and this is, I think, also understanding the pelvic floor. Like your body and your brain are so magnificent that they do all these things that we don't have to think about. And one of them is ideally countering pressure, knowing what your brain is like, oh, my foot's going to hit the ground. Let me go ahead and, and, you know, turn on just a little bit to get ready for impact. You should not be thinking I should kegel before every heel strike. And (laughs) I hear that. I'm like, how can you, like, I don't even know how you can do that. Yeah. The other one is to breathe a certain way while you run. And what is it? It's like a diaphragmatic, like a low belly diaphragmatic breath. I'm like, okay, if you're running, you're at an oxygen deficit, which would mean that you're up here. So, I mean, I totally get like trying to relax your shoulders and like, yeah, we've all been taught that for years, but to try and do a low belly breath, like a Zen Buddhist, like shavasana a breath when you're running? Like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not
1: so there's certain things that we have to give our brain credit that we can't think quick enough to try and make those things occur. And we have to instead go back and unpack where, where have we lost some of the automaticity, like retraining impact and those sorts of things that we could do with bouncing or hopping or, or something along those lines instead of trying to micromanage every single movement and breath.
0: Yeah, oh, I think that, that's super helpful. And yeah. things I wouldn't wouldn't think of or know what would necessarily be correct if I heard there's it. a new
1: one every week. I, <laughs> I, have, I have a feature on my Instagram called Mythbuster Monday. And I think I just posted it. I've done 80 Mondays already. Oh dang. And I'm like, and that it, it's still coming. Like that that was my post was like, the myths are all gone. And I'm like, no, they're yeah, not. <laughs> there's
0: a new one every day. So yeah, <laughs> when we drop her handle, go back to every Monday. You can do 80 different misconceptions
1: and pretty much. Yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> any other misconceptions or common things that you know women uh, you know assume returning to run after pregnancy that yeah. are true or be helpful to know
1: um i think along the same line like and and you know this could carry over you know into not postpartum too is is just you should hold in your abs and tighten everything up when you run. It's the same thing. Like running is so dynamic. Um, so I, I mention abs because lots of times people are like, oh, well, I don't have pelvic floor issues. I'm totally fine. I don't have to do that. And, but they want to suck in their abs and, and have them cute and tight and flat. And maybe they were never flat before they had kids, but they're trying to do it now. Yeah. Is, yeah. So no, don't try and control those things. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go
0: into, you know, if we went over the runner side of things, Mm -hmm. is there anything, because I do have some clinicians that listen to the podcast as well, of course they're runners too, that, you know, let's say for, you know, a physical therapist who works with runners, what in, that maybe doesn't have a background in pelvic health at all, or hasn't done anything yet. What would be your recommendation for them? Because I have found, you know, as I still think I'm, you know, new to working with runners overall, really, you know, I haven't done any sort of like certification or anything with health, never thought I really would. But I'm like, actually, I, I need to because like, yeah, that's sure. such an issue with any woman runner you work with, they're going to, if, yeah. they, if they have kids, like, well, that'd not think- to know.
1: You know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, and I teach uh, adjunct at Marymount University, and um, one of the things I, I say to our, our third year students is I said, you know, maybe one of the 50 of you will actually specifically go into this. But I want all of you to be able to ask the questions and know when to refer. So for example, asking the question, you know, do you have leakage when you run? Do you have pain with sex? Do you um, have pressure in, you know, your perineum? Like practice saying those words because we're not used to saying them. If you have somebody that you're treating for back pain, if you have back pain, you're actually more likely to have incontinence. If you have hip issues, there's a huge fascial relationships between the deep hip rotators and the pelvic floor. So I think probably orthopedic uh, PTs, I think they're at a little bit more advantage because they don't know that they actually can handle this stuff. And so if you are working with a runner and they happen, I mean, and and guys can have this issue too. I just happen to to specialize primarily in, in women in postpartum. If you're having these conversations and you're talking about hip issues or back issues or things like that, it's one of those things when you're you know, talking about the hip, um, when you're talking about impact, even like an ACL injury, like if you're testing these things, you need to make sure that you're asking, Hey, did you have any leakage with that? Or, what did your breast strategy look like here? So just pay attention when they're hopping or bouncing, do they hold their breath? Because when you hold your breath, there's a lot of pressure that goes downward. If they are prone to having some leakage or pressure issues, that might be something that, that you need to consider. And I'll be honest, like there's very little research that looks at what exercises are good for postpartum issues or that sort of thing. And so a lot of what those of us do that are kind of at the forefront of this is taking ACL exercises, impact exercises, those sorts of things, and bastardizing them and using them for what we need to do, because impact is impact. And if you have a hip issue, or you have a knee issue, or you have things like that, it's one of those things that if impact is going to be managed for the hip and the knee and the ankle, and if you can manage it better there, then that's much less for the pelvic floor to have to do. So. If you have a background in orthopedics, it actually is far better because you know how to tease out those hip issues. You know how to tease out the knee issues and those sorts of things. And that's, I'll go very, very big picture. Like I evaluated somebody the other day and, and she could only do like 10 heel raises in 30 seconds, but she had leakage when she was sprinting. And so I don't know that your issue is with the pelvic floor specifically, I think it's probably, you can't get up on your toes to sprint. So you're trying to power through somewhere else and that pressure is getting lost and escaping. So I I think ortho PTs, and if you're working with runners anyway, it's not that big of a leap to Mm -hmm. understand. You just kind of need to understand what prolapse is. You need to understand what leakage is. You need to understand kind of what some of this vocabulary is not be scared off of, by it, but then understand it from kind of an impact and a pressure management perspective.
0: No, that, that's super helpful. Could you go into what prolapse is? Cause I feel yeah. like that's something I yeah. need to know. So I'm sure yes. other people need to know more too.
1: So <laughs> no, super simple, try not to freak you out. Basically um, the rectum, the uterus, the bladder, it can kind of descend out of your body. You don't have to have kids to have any of that stuff happen. Right. Like if you're chronically constipated or do a lot of heavy lifting or things like that, and you're not managing pressure well, and the pressure is constantly being pushed down and out, you can be prone to that. And another thing that they're noticing in the literature is there may be a collagen or a soft tissue component to it. So if you you don't have elasticity, meaning if things don't kind of snap back, so to speak, there may be this genetic piece where once I, I kind of joke that kids take souvenirs when they come out. Um, Like (laughs) once things go out, they won't kind of go back, so to speak. And so I have clients now, like their moms are having surgery for, you know, a hysterectomy or a sling or something like that. And the physician is saying, you know what, you should get checked for this too. There may be a genetic piece because your mom has this. So I think it's just important to understand again, like some of this may not be your fault. C-sections, you can still have you know, leakage or prolapse because you still carried the baby for nine months. People forget that. They're like, oh, I was totally spared my pelvic floor. Mm, not so Maybe much. Not. Yeah.
0: And will people usually tell you about this or is there any certain question, you know, like um, I guess in your world, it's probably more common, but let's say like an orthopedic world to we'll separate the two differently. You know, <laughs> interconnected. I shouldn't be talking like that, but in general, it it's happens. like, are there questions we should, I hate the word should, but like be asking yep. like that. It's honestly,
1: it's just simple as do you have any leakage? Do you have any pressure or pain? Are you sexually active? Are you, you know, do you have pain with sex? What does that look like? Just asking very simple questions. And and I think we're used to doing it in the context of neuro issues. Like if there's a nerve issue, you know, if uncontrolled loss of bowel and bladder, but we don't get out of that kind of um, category. It's, it's opening it up that, you know, you could have these issues, but they're, they could be addressable. And as an orthopedic, you can probably impact that based upon probably what you're doing to treat other things. So,
0: yeah. Okay. This is helpful. Cause I'm just like, yeah, sure. think of, yeah. ask questions I have, cause I'm sure other people mm-hmm. will have them and just yeah, totally. questions to be, totally. be asking that are important. What would be key times that someone should refer out as far as if you're orthopedic, even if you have a little bit of maybe public health background maybe it's just like a course or two yeah it won't be times where you get someone super specialized
1: yeah I mean it's it's one of those things that again if, if you know how to if you know basic things about pressure management like And this is where, again, I've got background in real-time ultrasound. If you're looking, if you have the privilege of of being able to image and you've looked at TA and you've looked at pelvic floor and you've kind of done the basics that you know what to do and it's not making a difference. And and we're talking just a visitor too. It's not that much. um, That's a good time to refer out. Typically pain is one of those ones that I tend to refer out for if it doesn't seem like it has spinal origin because uh, overactivity of the pelvic floor, meaning basically the muscles are here, usually there's a spinal driver. Um, usually there's you know something else that's kind of driving it, but you may need that orthopedic approach on the spine and the hips, but you also might need somebody that's skilled in internal assessment too. So, but again, like I, the longer I treat, the less internal I do, and I've done it okay. for 20 some odd years, but I also am very clear not to like my index finger is not what makes me special. It's my problem solving. So yeah, like, this is just a tool that I occasionally use.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's helpful. I mean, it's helpful to hear, like, it's like, you know, especially people, if you're like shying away from the internal parts, like actually, yeah, you
1: like, don't need it, but there's, oh my gosh, there's so many pelvic health PTs that they are like, well, I can do internal and you can't, <laughs> that makes me a pelvic PT and you're not I'm like,
0: yeah. Eh. No, it's more your brain, your problem-solving abilities. Exactly, exactly. Your repetition of seeing a a decent amount of the same thing over and over again. It's (laughs) patterns. Yeah, it's patterns. Just like everything else. Right. Just like everything in life. So I want to get into uh, some of the resources you'd recommend for both runners and clinicians. But first, really quick, because we'll end with that. I like to end every episode with who I'm interviewing, sharing. It's going off topic a little bit, but they're breaking five moments, which would basically be a moment in your running career or this could be your professional career because we have yeah. a piece amount of that it could be someone who even rehabbed or whatever of uh, where either you had a goal that you didn't think was what well, you thought was possible but it was far re- reached to achieve it or yeah. um, whether that it's professional career or running career and you went after it and either you made it or you didn't you fell right short um what would be like that accomplishment for you
1: Mm. you been starting your business you think my kids alive in a pandemic okay so <laughs> this is a breaking <laughs> five moment for every mom out there <laughs> no I mean you know I mean there's so many I mean, it's funny as you were kind of saying that I was like oh well you know you did that marathon you did this like, honestly for me it's um I'm turning 45 this year and I never would have guessed and you get reflective I think in COVID is I never would have guessed that something as simple as you know going out and having a regular running practice would be so imperative. And, you know, I'm not one of these people, I'm not a Kool-Aid person, but it very truly is part of, and I think this was the first year I'm like, all right, I'm going to own this. This has very much been a part of who I am as a person. And then very much who I am, you know, and very much part of my professional career. And so I think this has really been the first year that I've really, kind of own that a bit more because again, I'm I'm not the this the skinny cross country girl that you know is gonna run PRs all the time and tell you my awesome postpartum stories, but (laughs) I keep showing up and I think most of the women out there probably would identify with that using it for especially after a pandemic um (laughs) for
0: sanity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it shed a light on like what running the most important part of running is like, it's yeah. not really these PRs and these races. I don't, yeah. you know, thank you. I mean, for me, and I feel like I usually have been saying, it's, yeah, it's for your,
1: your mental health, yeah.
0: right? Like having well, a in your life.
1: <laughs> and, and having multiple times in my life now where that wasn't completely clear whether I could or would go back, yeah. you know, after my surgery and after the kids, and it would have been very easy to just be like, meh. And so it's nice to be able to, you be like, all right, it's just like every time you quit something, you start back yes. up and it's a little rough at first. And you're like, all right, I know how to do this.
0: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So your breaking time moment is COVID and having running during this time and realizing how much it really is a part of your life and you want it to be there.
1: Very much. Uh, yeah.
0: I like yeah. it. I love it. But I want to curate and be able to share. First off, let's share where they can anyone can find you. She has a ton of great resources on her Instagram page and any other resource you want to share with um, where can they find you on Instagram?
1: Please. Yeah, so I, I try and keep it super simple. So <laughs> on Instagram, um I'm uh, at Carrie Pegliano, and that's also my website as well, uh Carriepegliano.com. So um I tend to hang out mostly on Instagram. I think Twitter's just mean. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> <going>. <laughs> like so Instagram or your website are the best places to yeah, find me. Yeah, Yeah, that's the easiest way to find me. Yep. And, and and if you've got questions or anything, just slide into my DMs and be like, hey, I heard you on uh, this podcast and I've got questions. So I, I always love chatting with people. And um, it, another beauty of, of COVID is just getting to talk to so many people yeah. from all over the world. No, it's true.
0: And then you treat in person in the, so it's going to be Virginia, right? Do you treat yeah. throughout the the DC area?
1: Yep. So I've got a, a small little practice here in Arlington, Virginia um, that I've had for a couple of years. And about half of my practice is in person. And the other half I've kept telehealth. And the reason is because I work with so many women that you know haven't been able to get out because of childcare. And then yeah. also women in the DMV area that maybe they wouldn't come to me anyway for traffic reasons but it's one of those things that there's so especially runners and lifters there's so much we can do with video analysis there's so much that we can kind of find in patterns and their subjective history and that sort of thing as well so i i'm trying to keep the telehealth because i think moms really need it yeah
0: yeah i think that's a blessing of COVID. it's
1: made it more common and popular and people are like oh this can this can work yeah totally, um, totally. any other
0: state besides um virginia are you in so um, yeah maryland? so
1: virginia, virginia dc maryland uh west virginia i think are the big ones we're, we're okay. in an area where um there's you know those three states right there so it's um awesome. yeah, we're, we're, yeah you can hop over super quick in a couple of minutes <laughs> yeah
0: so if you're listening in the area like she just said you can see her in person or you can see her in telehealth anywhere in those states so if you are a mom uh, that needs to be seen and especially if you're a runner active
1: person yeah, totally.
0: and know that you're having some of these issues we've talked about throughout the episode um definitely shoot our message at one of the places we shared and then you also have some resources out there um for runners and fitness professionals correct um, yeah like people can access online what do you have for yeah. the runners out
1: there? so this this was my covid baby um. <laughs> hang on gotta shut the door <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh-huh. She's she's momming it, but,
1: you know, this time now,
0: right? This is a true. This is exactly this, what it this is, is, right?
1: Kids that don't care. They're like, oh, you've been on Zoom the entire year, and we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> We're over it. We're done. <laughs> yeah. So my COVID baby has been. I created the Real Mom's Guide to Postpartum Return to Run. Mm-hmm. And that's a mom edition and a pro edition. So um, the mom edition is really helping moms kind of figure out a little bit more about what's going on with themselves. And they can start it at six weeks, 12 weeks, you know, a couple years after there's, there's really no, you know, when you have to start, but then just guiding them through week by week, not only kind of understanding what to do with strengthening and some basic things and very, you know, mom accessible bites, but like how to progress back safely to running, how to learn a little bit. If you are having leakage or pressure pain. how to scale yourself a little bit. And then if that's not working, how to find resources. And then I made the the pro version for postpartum professionals, or if you're new to working with postpartum women, whether you're a coach, trainer, physical therapist, and you're new to working with moms, just how to navigate this and you know where, where to start. Because again, so many pelvic health PTs don't have a running background or an ortho background or no, you know, great strength and conditioning exercises. And then there's also postpartum coaches and trainers that are really well-versed in that kind of thing and even running coaches, but they don't have the, the pregnancy postpartum kind of background to, to mash it all up. So it, just making sure that people have resources that they can use and put into action and that aren't going to Bog them down in minutiae I'm not a minutia yeah. person. I need to keep yeah. it down and dirty and simple. <laughs> simple. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds really nice yeah. as far
0: as you were describing. As far as um, like doesn't matter how far out you are. If you're three, six months, a whole year, like it. to Get it, yeah. like it laid out easily for them to follow where they're at and what they need to do to progress totally. and, and go and. I mean, yeah, check it out to see like where you are at, especially if you haven't, you know, I mean, even if you have worked with someone post postpartum, but to see where you're at, make sure, um, that you're as healthy as you can be going forward. Totally. So, super cool. We'll leave links to both of those in the podcast notes, anything else you would like to promote or share that you have, um, that we haven't talked about.
1: No, nah, I mean, I, I, feel like the one big thing is just like, you know, if, if you're in the professional space and postpartum sounds like this awful, scary pregnancy, postpartum is a, this kind of scary place. It's just not, it's just, you know, a couple of little nuances here and there. It's very approachable, wonderful group of, you know, people to work with. And if you're a mom and you're trying to kind of get back into this, it doesn't have to be this gigantic, complicated mess. It can be very simple. It can be manageable. And the things that you're dealing with that sound really scary, or you're not quite sure what's going on with this body of yours. um, There's plenty of us that have been through it. There's plenty of us that, you know, have gotten through the other side of it um, and can help you navigate. So either way you are not alone and it's not scary. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. I think that's like one of the most important parts just for people to know, right? (laughs) Totally. Totally. So awesome.
0: Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on definitely check her out if any of this related to you on all the places we talked about and i really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge on both ends of runners and clinicians and we'll keep working to get the word out there Mm -hmm. and we will catch you guys all on the next episode of breaking five thank you for tuning in today i hope you guys go run your life and we will chat next time bye guys All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking 5, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking 5 moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking 5 moment, That doesn't have to actually mean literally breaking five, just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could, and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore Run Your Life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.